Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Today, we're kicking off a series, as Bobby mentioned, on getting ready. If you think about it, five or six weeks from now, we'll be celebrating Resurrection Sunday. It will be Easter, and you'll have on new clothes, and your little girls will have on patent leather little shoes. And, I mean, some folks are going to break out bonnets. And, um, I mean, it's all, it's all about to go down here, right? I mean, Easter is coming. Everybody's going to show up, and that one time a year you go to Honey Baked Ham will be here. And it's going to be awesome. But... I really believe we're in a season in the life of our church where this is a time that the Lord is calling us to take all that we are and all that we're supposed to be and direct it toward this one truth that we are to prepare ourselves to get ready for the death, the burial, and the resurrection and and the power that comes with that. I believe the Lord is saying to us that uh, this church, this community, is in significant and desperate need for resurrection power. Based on the people that are just in this fellowship that I speak with week in and week out, we're in desperate need of the recognition of all that God can and wants to do in our life. And so today, I want to ask us to do something that feels very un-American in this time. I want us to agree on something. Think about it. I mean, this is the most polarized country that I think I've known in my 57 years. I have never seen such division. Maybe it's a new style of news. I'm not sure. But even the news argues with the other news. And even if the news is right, they're arguing about the rightness of the other news. I've never seen anything like this. If you walked out today and said, my, it's cold and windy and rainy, somebody's going to say, you know what, you can't cast dispersion on somebody who feels cold and windy today. It's, you can't say that. If we walked out and said, the sky is gray today, somebody's going to say, no, you can't do that. That's hurting somebody's feeling. The sky is blue today. But you look up and you say, no, it's gray. And somebody says, but it's really blue. You're just not seeing through the light, right lens. Everywhere I look today, there's this polarization in America. We can't agree on anything. I, I really do believe we're a country that believes 50% of our people believe 50% of the others are wrong. I mean, don't you, I mean, can't you hear it in our nation? I mean, we're just all across the board. Today, though, I want us to agree on this one thing. Are you ready? I want us to agree on three words. Are you ready? And then God. Now think about the power of these three words. And then God. And, and the power of those three words, I want you to share with me, all right? So I want you to say it out loud with me. Say it with what, whatever it might muster inside of you. Just say it with me. Ready? And then God. Okay, now just like the 930 crowd, I heard a significant female voice coming my way. And I heard the deeper voices going, mm, you know, whatever, you know. So let's try that one more time, guys. Let's, you know, join in with the more spiritual crowd in the room. You ready? And then God. See, these three words change everything. When, when this world found itself in a mess, when God created the heavens and the earth, when God created Adam, he looked at Adam and said it's not good for him to be alone, alone, so he created Eve. And then shortly after that, sin entered our world, and then God. So before God dealt with sin, God dealt with aloneness. 
and then God. What did God do? And then God stepped in. And when sin came, what did God do? And then God stepped in. And all throughout the Old Testament, the story of the nation of Israel, as they came and they went, as they went through the highs and the lows, and then God showed up. These are three words tell the story of Jesus. And then God. You say, well, Chuck, I, I don't really know that I understand it. I wrote these words earlier, and to ensure that I say them properly, I want to read what I wrote earlier this week. Because in my own time in, in prayer and meditation, this is what came out of my time with the Lord this week. That the gospel of Jesus is about life and death, peace and war, hope and despair, stagnation and transformation. It transcends politics, economics, science, history, biology, geography, and religion. That the gospel of Jesus is that what we have been called to do. That's what we have been called to be. And you say, Chuck, no, 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 no. That's what you do. You're the one that signed up to be a pastor. You're the one that has REV in front of your name. You're the one that preaches. That's your job. Well, I would say when we encounter a life-altering relationship with Jesus, then we are all called by his person and his deity to be a part of what he's doing. Now think about this. Just take a minute. Look around at the people around you. Left, right, front, back. Go ahead and look around. If you need to stand up to do it, go ahead. All right? Okay. Think about this. That, that group of people that you just saw, God picked them to help change the world. And I know what some of you are thinking. Probably not her. No possible way him. I know what that guy said yesterday. No way. Well, look at this. This is the gospel of Jesus at work. The Lord looked upon his creation and thought, my kids, they have blown it. They've made such a mess of this world, but I want to redeem that. And so I'm going to send a part of me, my son Jesus, for him to die and pay the price they deserve to shed his blood and have his body broken and be buried. And three days later, raised from that grave and bring us peace into our life. And this is the gospel of Jesus because now he has entrusted and he has equipped you and I that we're to be a part of that. And you say, well, no, Chuck, I am a significant introvert. No thanks, not me. Watch this. If God made you an introvert, then he's going to use that for his glory and you're good. If, if you're just one of those loud, obnoxious people like me, you know what? God's going to use that for at least a little bit of good, but definitely his glory, right? And, and we look, when we looked around, we see all kinds of different people in this room. We have folks that consider themselves to be intellectuals. We have folks who looked in the mirror this morning and thought, man, I'm just a goofball. We have folks who consider themselves pretty, and we have folks that looked in the mirror this morning and said, oh. We've got all kinds of folks in the room, but every single person God has called to be a part of his redeeming work in mankind. And that there is a treasure that is buried sometimes within our heart, and other times it shines like opening a treasure box and seeing the sparkle of gold come from it in like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Listen to what the scripture says about this. Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, and it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And here's what the text says. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. This world at times, I think, looks at us with, with our faith system and what we believe. And I think the world at times screams at us, who are you? 
to believe that you have the right way to heaven? Who are you to be able to say this isn't right? Who are you to make this claim that heaven is yours? Who are you to believe Jesus died for you? And sometimes it's just who in the world do you think you are? And I think sometimes we hear that so much. It's like, dude, I don't know who I am. I really, I don't know what I am. I don't know what I believe. Well, watch this. We, the church, the building's not the church. The structure's not the church. The name's not the church. The denomination's not the church. What is the church? You are the church. Jesus decided you would be the way to change the world and be a part of his redemptive plan for this messed up world. So the gospel of Jesus always boils down to this one essential thought, and that is this is his church, not the pastor's church, not the deacon's church. This isn't your church. This, is, this isn't the elder's church. This isn't the teacher's church. This is his church. And this is why when you come here, at least, this is why we say the Bible is a very big deal because when it saturates our heart, it is not like any other book. I love to read, but when I read another book, I, I might get some lesson, I might get some understanding, I might just get a great story, but it doesn't live and breathe and work through and massage my heart. But when I read the Word of God, I can read the story of David and Goliath 20 straight days and learn at least 20 new truths. But you know why that is? Because Scripture says that is a living and a breathing thing that when it comes into my life, it always accomplishes the purpose for which God sent it. And you say, well, then shouldn't we all be in that word? Because this is what changes our life. Yes, but watch this. The Bible is not what changes your life. God is. The Bible is the story of God, and it is God's words. Therefore, I want that in my life. I want what he offers in my life. We, the church, we, those people, we have been called to be a part of this. Now, now watch this story. Just like the text in 2 Corinthians says, within you is a treasure chest found in the presence of Jesus. And when that treasure chest is opened up, we shine with glory and the goodness of God. But now listen to what John writes in John chapter 3 beginning in verse 3. I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Now watch this. Surely Nicodemus understands. He's a bright dude. He knows that's not a physical description. But in his confusion, says, I don't get it. And I think many of us say the same thing. Lord, I just don't know that I get it. What is it that you have for me to do on this planet? And Jesus says that if you want your family... Like those little boys and girls, I, I'm telling you, it just absolutely just, just exhausted me watching these precious children say, I want to thank my mom or my dad or my grandma or my group leader because they sat down and they told me about Jesus. What did they do? They did this one thing. They described that we all must become new creatures and that Jesus promised to give us a new life. How on earth can we not answer that call in our life? How on earth can we not let that word saturate us to the bone? Well, listen to what else happened. Paul goes kind of out on a limb here and he says, anyone who believes in Jesus will do the same works that he's done and even greater works. John is saying here in John 14, 12, Jesus is coming and saying anyone, anyone who believes in Jesus has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now watch this. 
Have you ever seen somebody give their life to Christ and then like five months later, I mean, they, they, still, they still cuss like a sailor and drink like a fish. They, 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 they still live their life like nothing had changed, but you know something's different about them. And you look at them and say, well, I'll tell you one thing, if this Jesus thing was real, he wouldn't be doing that. Do you know somebody at the same time as looking at you going, you know what? If this Jesus deal was real, you wouldn't be doing that. If this Jesus deal was real, you wouldn't feel like you need to judge that dude. Ouch. And so we, we look at what John says, and then we, we, we listen to what John also says. Look in John 15, chapter, or chapter 15, verse 19. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Jesus is saying, listen, I came and I picked you. I picked you number one. We talked about it last week. I picked you number one. You were first in the draft. And I picked you, and this world who doesn't know me is going to look at you like you've got five heads and say, you know, I don't get it. What's going on in your life? And in the middle of that, the presence of Jesus wells up inside of us. Now watch this. When Jesus left this earth to join the Father in heaven to create a home for all who believe, he left us a gift. And that gift is the Spirit of God. Many of you know it as the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. I always see it as the Spirit of God. And that is what dwells within us in the presence of Jesus. It lets us know right from wrong, good from, from evil. It lets us know to be an encouragement or to, or, to be, or, or, or to be a corrector. We see all of this happen in our life, and this is what's going on inside the gospel where Jesus is called us because he's given his life for us and in 1 John 2 1 listen to what he goes on to say see how much the father loves us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are the reason the world does not recognize us is they don't know him Paul goes on and says, listen, when you give your life to Christ, it's not going to be a piece of cake. Don't think like the, the health and wealth preachers that will be on TV this afternoon. If you give your life to Christ and you, you start giving and showing and going on mission trips and serving in our community, all of a sudden there are no problems in the world. I would argue that you might fight more problems, but you're just not doing them alone. You might struggle through more things, but you're not doing them alone. That within you is the power that Jesus says you can do all these things and you can experience victory in all these things. What kind of God would it be if he just plucked you up and said, okay, no more problems because those problems are where he proves his greatest work through us. But now watch this. As a church, Jesus called and said, I want my church to become a house of prayer. So on the first part of the gospel story, we hear, wait a minute, I need to be in the word. I need to trust the word. I need to trust God. I need to know that he has my best in store and his glory comes with it. And I need him to reside in my life so that the word of God is working and it's happening. And, and I am sensing and recognizing that God's called me to be a part of this work. But the Lord said that this house where you come to church is supposed to be a house of prayer. Because Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6.10. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I like what Bobby said earlier, thy will be done in Sugar Hill as it is in heaven. We are supposed to live in such a way that we reflect that we know the surety of heaven. We know the presence of Jesus is so palpable that we genuinely know the assurance of heaven is how we live on this earth today. We no longer regard the things of a worldly point of view. We don't have to. 
because God has a bigger picture for us. What is it we're to get ready for as we head toward Christmas, as we head toward Easter? And some of you, it'll be Christmas and Easter that you only are here. So what do we do? That was a little off the notes, but true. So what is it? We, I, I, I trust that Jesus is going to live in my life. I, I, I feed that treasure chest with, with the scriptures, and I spend some time with God, and I meditate on that word, and then I begin to pray. And how on earth would I pray? And I believe the Lord gives us a pretty guided process on the pray. How many times have, have we read in scripture, if you'll come and ask, I'll hear. But I hear a lot of folks sometimes get freaked out about the whole prayer thing because they, they, they come to Jesus once every couple of years like he's some kind of cosmic Santa Claus and he's checking off the list that who's naughty and who's nice. And, and when he doesn't deliver the little red wagon you wanted, well, there must not be a God. But see, the great thing is, that when you walk in the power and the presence of Jesus and he's living within you, not only does he answer your prayer, he gives you the best gift, the better gift, the greatest gift for your good and for his glory. And he never, ever misses. And you say, well, Chuck, you know, I just find it hard to just trust him. Well, listen to what Paul said back in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We do not wage war as the world does. We have divine weapons to demolish strongholds and every pretension that sets itself up against God. And we take captive every thought and subject it to Christ. Now, if you think about this, what the text is saying is, listen, in the middle of all the junk in this world, we can look through the lens of Jesus and we can drop the gossip and the snarky backbiting. We can give up the ways of this world and we can live and act in accordance to the will of God, but only when he's doing that work from the inside out. Only when he comes within us and starts to change that story. And that, my friend, is the story of the gospel. Listen to what we read in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 43. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles and all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. People in general liked what they saw. We have been called to be in unity to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now listen, what does salt do? It flavors the world. Some of you have a lot of salt. Some of you are flavoring the world a lot. Some of you are oversalting the world. And some of you have never shaken the salt out. And you're waiting for, for God to say, what do you do? Salt has an immediate effect on what it, put, it is put on. And my dad, who passed away at 75, put salt on everything before he even tasted it. You know somebody like that? Just grabs a salt shake, they salt everything. And it's like, Dad, you know it has flavor without that, right? Oh no, son, this is good for you. No, it's not, Dad. This is why my dad dropped dead of a heart attack at 75. It's like, come on, Dad, it's, it, but it's got to be good. It tastes good. I like it. We're to be the salt of the world. But listen, we're all supposed to open up that treasure chest in our heart. And the, sh and the light that shines from us allows people to look past us into Christ in us. And this is when change comes to our world. Every follower of Jesus is called to make a difference in their world. That we're to be in unity. That the scriptures are true. That we can come to the Lord in prayer. That we are to shine our light. You remember when you, if you grew up in church like I did, I remember singing this song as a little boy, you know. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. You remember that song? All right, sing it with me. Come on. This little light of, no, really, sing it with me. This little light, one more time, really? 
I mean, seriously, one more time. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Come on. Somebody's excited. I'm going to let it shine. And here, this is where you get excited. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Right? And if you're a little kid, man, you're just all about it. Let it shine, let it shine. And you know what it's saying? Open up the treasure chest and let it shine, baby. Let it go. He has called us to be in unity with his word and in accordance to the spirit of God working within us that we might let this light change and change the difference. We are called to change this world through the power of Christ working within us. And you say, but Chuck, the church doesn't really help me do that. Well, watch this. Then check your heart and ask yourself, what are you called to do? Measure it against the word of God. Measure it against what God has called you to in your own prayer life. Measure what you're grateful for. Measure what you're doing. And look at the footprint of your life. And ask yourself, as the psalmist said in Psalm 133, it is a spiritual certainty, isn't it? That where there is unity between God's people, there is the blessing of the divine. Think about that. Where there is unity of the people of God, there is the blessing of the divine. The apostles James and John both pointed to this impossibility of being a true follower of Jesus without demonstration of faith and action. Mother Teresa, of all people, gave us this picture of what that life might look like. And Mother Teresa came together. And, and you know, it was interesting. She went to a place where nobody wanted to go. She wanted to do work that nobody wanted to do. But I think we would all agree, whether we like the little hat she wore or what her faith system was, I think we would all agree that this statement makes so much sense. When she said, if you pray without serving, your prayers are in vain. And if you serve without praying, your service is in vain. So go forward and pray and serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. What are we called to do? We are called to pray, to serve, to let the Word of God saturate us to the bone, to take over our life. And you say, well, Chuck, all of that is cool, but what do you want me to do? I think we live in a world that, that I, most people want to, but tell me, what's the one, two, three? What are you really getting after? What do you really want us to do? Okay, would you take your smartphone out? Just go ahead and pull your phone out. I'm not going to ask you to do a selfie again. I saw where that created great tension in some of your homes last week. Some of you more than others. All right, and then if you already have the Sugar Hill Church app, just tap it. If not, you can download it. And uh, guys, zoom in on, on my phone if you would. I want you to notice that there's a new button on the second from the top on the far left, and it just says, get ready. It's a check mark. So when you tap that check mark, it's going to open up and it's going to say the daily aha. All right. Now, in this daily aha, this is what I'm asking hundreds of you to do. I'm asking hundreds of you each day to experience this daily aha that is available on your phone, your tablet, any device you have, your computer. And if you notice at the top left-hand corner, it says more notes. Now, the reason it says that today is this kind of gives you an understanding of what we're trying to do. We're trying to give you a head start to let this world-changing opportunity not slip through your busyness. To make this as simple as we can so that the Word of God can be read, that the Word of God can be responded to, and that the Word of God can be reacted to. 
And so if you hit that top left-hand button that says more notes, when you tap that, it's going to say start here. And at the bottom, and it works, so it's way from the bottom up, it says day one, March 13, 2017. If you tap that, then it's going to give you this scripture. I want to read tomorrow's scripture to you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. And then it moves to another verse in Proverbs. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. And then there's a short commentary that kind of says this is what I believe that really means. And then you get into the respond part. Here's a guided prayer and here's a place for you to put in this is what you're praying for. When you're done with that section, start and do what am I grateful for? Here's a place for two or three things you're grateful for. And then reaction. What is the learning that came from the text? Is Lord, I believe you're teaching the following for me as I read through today's scripture. What is that? And the action that I'm going to take, the reaction. Lord, today I will blank because of what I heard you say to me. And then to stay the course and continue growing with you, Lord, I want to share this with blank who you're going to share this with. And then this is so cool. And in the bottom, put your email address in there and hit send. And when you hit send, it's going to give you this email back to you so you can keep a journal of everything you just did. Let me, case in point, let me tell you what I did. I went ahead and did tomorrow so that you could see what I was about. I read through the learning. I got to responding. I followed the prayer. So what, am I, what was I praying for this morning? I was praying for Jenny's health. She was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis a few months ago. I've been praying for her. I was praying for Susan Roebuck's total and perfect healing from cancer. I was praying for my daughter Amelia and her husband Tripp that uh, they, they would have the peace of the Lord in their home. And for my little grandson William coming to know Jesus. And then what was I grateful for? I was really grateful for a fun weekend with our grandboys. And I was really grateful for you. I was really grateful for a great church. And then on reacting, I came down and I said, Lord, uh, I'm so grateful for reminding me that I know nothing of value apart from you. The Lord, I need you to be my father and my provider this day. And the action, I followed on that. I have the, this back in my email. I'll have every day a record over the next five weeks, 25 days of what we're asking ourselves to do. You say, well, what are you really doing, Chuck? I want you to experience what I believe is the single greatest power in my life every day to be in scripture, to learn it and read it, to respond back to the Lord with it in prayer and understanding, and then act on it. And I want to make it so easy for you that you can just make this a part of your life. You say, well, Chuck, I don't have an hour, but that's, that's 10 minutes. That's 10 minutes max. And I'm asking you to commit for the next five weeks, would you do this Monday through Friday and just let the word of God come saturate your soul? Would prayer and gratitude become a way of life? I also want to ask you over the next five weeks, I want, I want to ask you to step up in your giving. If you give $100 a week, would you, would you add $20 to it? If you give $1,000 a week, would you add $20 to it? If you give nothing, would you give $20 a week for five weeks? You say, well, Chuck, that's not going to change the world. I'd beg to differ. Think about it. If 500 of you did that, that's a lot of money. And you know what we'd use those funds for? making sure all those backpacks got filled, that this project we got called the PATH project over there in that neighborhood is that the, the men gutted yesterday will be able to provide childcare and mentoring and teaching and, and eventually develop a church in that little community. I'll promise you, as Bobby said, those dollars won't be fed into some black hole. 
they will be tangibly used in our community to make a difference for the cause of Christ. And you say, well, Chuck, you, you, I, it, it's all about money. No, I, just, I don't want you to bootleg or miss this blessing that the Lord wants to give you. So I want to give you this promise. You choose to give $20 a week for the next five weeks. And after the end of that time, you say, Chuck, the Lord has not and did not bless me as you promised and he promised. I want my money back. We will give you your money back times two. So if you give $100 more than you usually give, you say, okay, Chuck, it just didn't happen. There's no blessing in my life. If God didn't fulfill his promise, I'll give you $200 back. I'm just fool enough to believe because I've seen it happen in my life over and over and again. When I get in the word, when I really pray, when I'm really grateful, and when I really give, God does something supernatural in our life. And he's called us to be a part of it. So I want to ask you unapologetically, join us as we get ready and prepare ourselves for resurrection power. Let's pray. Lord, you are a wondrous and awesome God. And would you light a fire in our soul that is there for us to be able to claim the amazing grace of your love and your provision and your joy and your goodness. Lord, we are grateful that the Bible is a very big deal and that you are the biggest deal ever and that we get the privilege to serve people in need because you called us first. Lord, let us be in the word and let, let us read it and respond to it and react to it in love and in graciousness. And may our world be different because of you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.